Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 skulls for the Skull Throne. I'm your co-host, Davey, and with me as always, I got Phil. How are you doing, Phil? Hey, I'm doing good. Good to hear, uh, surviving the quarantine. Well, uh, we're we're back with, this is our uh, second Corn Warband review, and we could do nothing other than bring in our chief Corn correspondent, Corn correspondent, uh, Matthew Gorbeard Martin. How are you doing, Matt? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Real good. Uh, hey, I am sorry that, uh, you know, of, of the many, many, many things that have gone wrong as far as the, uh, as far as the pandemic, uh, it's a bummer that the uh, grand scuffle is, uh, is it currently delayed? That was your, your big baby yeah. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we moved it. Um, you know, we're still kind of working out the, I guess the, the finer details. Um, and uh, let me get back to you by the end of the episode. I need to double check a few things, but I'll update you guys when exactly it's happening, but it's just postponed as of now. Perfect. Okay. Cool. Uh, and then once it's, yeah, well, either, either in this episode or next, uh, we will, we'll continue to put the word out on that. Cause that'd be, it's a, it's a cool area. You guys, uh, on a, on a non GW event, you had a pretty good turnout. Um, Jeff Osborne, mm-hmm. I think uh, we, we talked a little bit about that already. But uh, yeah, the context, this is the uh, 2nd of April that we're recording, just a week after the last recording you heard. Uh, it's been two weeks since we had something out. Um, and uh, everybody's still in lockdown, unless you are an essential employee or uh, I think in Belarus, I think those those guys are <laughs> just doing their <laughs> own thing there. So, uh, but uh that's uh, that's where no no new news. There's another wave of uh, of spoilers, not spoilers, uh, previews coming out this this weekend. So we didn't see anything Underworlds related this past weekend, but uh, who knows? We got another we got another batch coming out uh, in just a couple days here. So uh, any any hopes or wish lists there, Matt? Um, just really hope to see some daughters of Kane. I'm really excited about them. Yeah, see some cards. What's going on with them? Do do you uh, do you play them otherwise, or you just think they're look cool? No, I think they just fit my play style, mm-hmm. and um, you know, at least the way they look. Uh, I'm hoping that they do. <laughs> sure, but well, they look like they're going to be really fun. Yeah, we've theorized that they might be fairly similar to uh, our warband topic for today, the Reavers, with uh, five fighters that look like they probably can't take too big of a punch, uh, are fast and probably hit hard. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of parallels are there. Uh, all right. Uh, we, so I mentioned the topic, we're talking Reavers today, uh, an oldie, but a goodie, an OG of the underworlds, uh, of the underworlds game. But, uh, before we get there, let's, uh, let's do some community, community shout outs. And for me, uh, as, as busy as I've been, I'm actually way behind on most of my podcast listening. Uh, but I did want to give a special shout out to, uh, chatting crits, uh, recently with, uh, they, they've released a control episode. So now they've got a, an ep on aggro objectives and control. And so I think a great companion piece to this episode, we go back. If you haven't heard it already, listen to their, listen to their aggro episode. Um, and, uh, that'll, that'll pair nicely with this war band who surprise, surprise, uh, have a lot to do with aggro. Uh, anybody else got anything they want to shout out community wise? Uh, I, I have not been keeping much of a track of what's been coming out lately. Um, I, I think I saw there was a episode or a yeah a new episode from Steel City folks about Nurgle. Is that right? Uh, I think you're thinking of Battle for Salvation. Battle for Salvation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Hey. So. Oh well, here's here's where the confusion comes in. They brought in uh, Tom Bond from Steel City. That's that's, that's where saved it. it. That's what saved I was it. Thinking brought about. it back together. Okay. <laughs> I'm not totally crazy. <laughs> 
Um, speaking of podcasts, Matt, what uh, when when can we expect another one out of you guys? You guys normally record in person, is that correct? It certainly sounds like it. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. We we all get together and and drink a few beers and talk about the game we love. And uh, right now, it's a little bit complicated to do that. So <laughs> might be a minute. We'll yeah. see. All right, sure. <laughs> sounds good. Um, you got anything uh, for community wise there, Matt? I mean, just the biggest shout out to all the people that are out there um, com- combating the COVID-19 epidemic, you know, nurses, doctors, first responders, scientists, people providing for all the essential things that we have, you know, in our society. Um, just big shout out to them doing great work. Absolutely. Totally. Um, our our, uh, our little piece here is to uh, try to keep the lights on for a little bit of entertainment while you while you may be struggling to find a game. So, um and uh yeah same thing really appreciate the the folks out there uh making it happen uh but let's do it let's the reavers don't wait around they don't twiddle their thumbs they jump right into it so uh i think we're going to do the same except we aren't what the heck is going on with you is uh is uh, <laughs> our next segment uh you, you still got to get a little glory before you make that first charge sometimes um for for me i managed to get a remote game in with uh, some of our local crew kind of showing them how to get that set up um that was pretty fun had a had a good uh reavers versus uh gets uh match which is uh that's i actually like that matchup quite a bit we'll talk some about matchups later but uh a lot of a lot of dying which is good for the reavers but it's hard to hard to kill them fast enough to keep them off the objective so temporary victory ends up happening and yeah pretty cool there um what about you phil uh not a ton um unfortunately uh, but I, I've continued to just sort of work on building some models. Um, just when I've got a few minutes spare, I'm just sitting at the computer doing other stuff. So, um, still, still staying in the hobby have, I, I really need to start, uh, getting back to playing some games, but, uh, it's just, haven't been feeling it <laughs> a whole lot right now. I've just sort of been like, uh, the not having the like experience of the models has taken some of it out of it for me. So, yeah. um, yeah, need to just start thinking about decks again and that'll get the juices flowing. I'm sure. Sure. Totally. Uh, what about you, Matt? Anything going on in your neck of the woods for underworlds? Oh yeah. For underworlds, uh, surprisingly enough, I've actually taken this time to, you know, um, really get into Warhammer underworlds online. I've been playing a ton of that recently and finding Mm -hmm. a lot of joy in it. It's actually a lot of fun. And then besides that, I've been playing around on Vassal still. I played the Vassal tournament, um, weekend before last, Mm -hmm. uh, 16 man tournament. Uh, you know, I'll tell you guys how, how that turned out later on, but that was a lot of fun and still getting some games in. Awesome. Cool. All right. Um, a uh, quick aside, since we just did an episode on Underworlds Online, what is your what is your favorite warband to play right now of the uh, of the ones that are out there? You know me, I'm I'm a corn uh, <laughs> blood for the there blood god go. kind yeah. of guy. I'm playing all aggro Magors right now. That's it, setting you up for Figured. the softball questions here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> how do you like uh, how do you like throwing around little hidden paths? Oh man, that's great. <laughs> Get uh, Gartok back there in their backfield. He's a menace. Yeah, boy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, all right, but let's get to it. Overview of the Reavers. So we're going to, we're going to change, uh, if you've listened to some of our faction coverage in the past, we've kind of marched through, uh, cards and matchups. Uh, we're going to go a little more organic with the questions. We'll see how it goes. If you like it, let us know. If you hate it, let us know. We'll, uh, 
we'll look at what we're doing going forward. But uh, especially with these guys who have been out uh, literally since the game began, um, we figure there's a lot of familiarity with the cards out there. Um, so we are talking about Garrick's Reavers. Uh, and uh, although they were the one of the first two, they did have a follow-up release during Night Vault. So uh, they're still available on shelves right now. If you, uh, well, uh, available mail order from participating places, I suppose, uh, <laughs> from what, what stock exists, but, uh, you, you get the picture, but, uh, we're going to talk overview. We'll talk a little bit about their fighters and, uh, and then we'll go through, uh, we'll go through some, uh, question and answer, uh, kind of throw them out there. Uh, we've all played a fair amount of Reavers. I, I, uh, took them to the first grand clash I ever went to. Um, it was a, it was a wacky event. So somehow, uh, goofed a, a fourth place despite getting, uh, totally crushed by iron jaws in one of my matches. And, um, I know, uh, I know you and I have run them at each other a whole bunch, uh, Phil and, uh, Matt, uh, corn through and through. So I'm sure you're, you're plenty familiar with them too. Uh, oh, yeah. I think one of the last times you and I played, I might've been running reavers. I think I, I ran a reavers at, uh, at a steel hearts, uh, defensive deck you were yeah that was like it was like a it was like a bizarro kind of day right it was like reverse day you were playing reavers and i was playing a bloodless steel hearts build (laughs) that i was just tinkering around with for you know for laughs and giggles yeah 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 uh but let's uh let's talk the overview so before we get into them as a whole uh let's get the basics down so matt what would you give me what you think the the core characteristics of the uh of garrick's reavers are like what's what is if you're going to give like the couple couple sentence summary of here's strengths and weaknesses or here's what you need to know about them what, what would that be for someone who uh and i think the people are out there who have not really seen this warband all that much they're not super big in the meta um and uh they're they're older so they are fast they hit like trucks and they die to a stiff breeze <laughs> uh, which which actually can be a core strength because uh corn care is not you want fighters to die because they have some key objectives that will reward you for even your own fighters dying i think that's i think that's a perfect uh perfect overview let's uh let's break down before we get into some of the questions let's uh let's give a rough fighter overview so uh uh they the overall, all of them inspire. This is one of the war bands, um, much how it was early on. They, they all inspire on the same condition, which is, which is to say, uh, as soon as three people are out of action, uh, of, from either side. And so, uh, I have on occasion inspired when all I had left was Targor and Arnulf because my other three guys died. That's a, that's the wrong way to inspire these dudes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, uh, I guess it, you got a lot of work to do with those two guys. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, let's actually, let's start with those guys, Targor and Arnold. They're, they're your dangle bros. What's your, what's your favorite of the two there, Phil? So strangely enough, I used to think that Arnolf was better. Um, and as, as we've played him more and now that we're into season three, I actually think that because they're usually the ones that are still kicking around, at least one of them, once they're inspired, I actually like targor better because he goes up to a flat two damage with three swords um but pretty much they're the same they start out both of them with two swords for one damage their four move one dodge two health they inspire up to five speed um the the only trick is that arnolf has a um uh ability where on a crit 
he always deals an extra damage. So there is the potential on chucking those two dice that if you roll a crit, he can hit for two before he's inspired. But if you're fishing for that, you're <laughs> probably in a pretty desperate sp- situation anyway. So yeah. So I pre-inspiration, he's, he's the more effective of the two, but only minimally. And then post-inspiration, Targor uh, definitely takes the lead. Uh, I do, I do kind of like Arnold for that that first throw. Uh, you know, toss him out there, especially if somebody has to be standing next to a lethal. You can get a lucky crit, yeah. and you killed somebody. But uh, uh, and figure wise, I. I think I always go, I, I, I love Arnold's figure. Like he was one of the, one of the ones that really captured me out of that first box. Um, and he's got the coolest quote, uh, on his, <laughs> on his upgrade card where it's like, every, everyone watches the ax. That's when you sink the cutter in deep. Like, yeah. Buddy. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, uh, Matt, talk to us about the, uh, about the next two, uh, we'll, we'll leave Garrick for last, but, uh, you got, uh, Karsis and, uh, blooded sake. They're kind of your, yeah. your workhorse guys. Yeah, um, Blooded Sake and Karsis, they are definitely your workhorses. Blooded Sake is the guy who is going to, you know, deal damage. And when he's inspired, he gets a cleave. I mean, he's just an absolute beast. And Karsis, um, you know, he has range two, three swords, uh, one damage uninspired. Um, but as range one, he gets two damage uh, uninspired. But when he's inspired, range two, three swords for two damage is is really good actually. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I find the Karsis, um, everyone's looking at sake. They're more worried about him, but Karsis sneaks up on people and he can, he can win you games himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, that, that range two is huge for extra threat range and it's great for, uh, sometimes getting an extra attack in before you charge. So, you know, you're in position somewhere you can pick off a fighter and then charge somebody who can't get back at you because you have such great range. Uh, so it late in the game when you're low on fighters, he can, he can often do, uh, more work than, than some of the others. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, yeah. And uh, I also think it's worth pointing out with him that when he's inspired, he does get a, uh, scything attack, which uh, good point. Well, it's not super accurate. Sometimes, you know, just the ability to throw out like three attacks, if you can position it right can you know it's high risk high reward kind of thing right so mm-hmm. well i mean just yeah extra extra throws of the dice and he pairs well with certain cards uh on top of that uh which we'll, we'll get into a little bit later but uh yeah a great great point uh and i i find uh of all the things that the reavers can do that is the one that most often surprises people including myself like sometimes i'll look down and be like oh right i have a chance to you know take some extra swings so yeah um and then, uh, and then there's the leader, Garrick. He's the only one who starts at four wounds. He starts at two damage. He's hitting on two smash. He inspires up to uh, five speed and uh, three damage, um, which is uh, which is maybe not quite the second most surprising thing, but sometimes people have done the math and uh, somebody goes down just slightly faster than they expected. And all he inspires, gets extra reach, extra damage, and all of a sudden he's, he's killing something that they weren't expecting. So... Um, Garrick, Garrick op- occupies a, a weird spot for me where he he sometimes ends up being a, a a meat shield for the other guys because he can tank a hit a little bit better, uh, and then sometimes he's a he's a cleanup um, depending on how the game flows. But uh, that's the warband. Matt gave us the overview. Uh, let's let's talk let's talk overall strategy with these guys. So uh, Matt, you alluded to this a little bit um, when uh, we were talking before before the podcast. Everyone thinks 
you know, agro, agro from the start. Uh, is that, is that true? Is it agro pretty much the only reasonable way to go these, with these guys? Are there other routes to victory? Do you, do you ever flex with them a little bit? What, what do you see as their, you know, defining strategy? Well, it kind of depends on the format you're going for. If you're going for a best of three, I think the most obvious and probably reliable option is to just go fast aggro, get out there, charge in, uh, throw lots of dice, throw lots of damage, kill your opponent as fast as you can to stop them from scoring their glory. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing a best of one, I've actually found that the they have a really good flex hold objective play style where they can get to those objectives because they have the speed to do it. Um, now, obviously, your opponent has to be anticipating for you to be aggro for this to really work because maybe they win the boards or something like that, or mm-hmm. you know, they think you you don't want the objectives, so they'll give you the three objectives so they, they can offset the boards or something. Mm-hmm. In that type of format, you can really catch people off guards. And you know, I played a game um, just a little bit earlier, actually, where I scored 19 glory uh, on someone um, doing the flex hold, hold objective play style. Now, it was really, really good. When, when you say flex hold objective, like wh- how hard are you leaning? Are you talking about, you know, path to victory? I killed a guy and I'm standing on two. Or are you going all the way into uh, like uh, uh, temporary victory uh, or, or supremacy or what? Swift capture, temporary victory. Um, was it um, bull conquest? Mm. Uh, I was running un- uncontested. So, so the deck I was running earlier with that was given to me by someone else off of Vassal uh, by... Uh, uh, a handle name of T dot. Okay. Uh, he's up in, he's up in Canada. So uh, shout out to him for sharing that with me, but it was, it was definitely an experience. I didn't think it was going to work whatsoever. And I freaking annihilated. So <laughs> it's pretty nice. cool. All right. Uh, well let's, uh, let's go from there. So if you're, you know, we, we say in general, your, your first protocol is aggro. Uh, and then you may, the, the speed and, they're not they're not a horde war band, but they do have some numbers there. It's not it's not like a worms bat where one goes down and all of a sudden temporary victory is impossible. Um, so you have some uh, redundancy there. Uh, what have you found to be when you're building an objective deck, whatever whatever strategy you select? Have you found any uh, persistently difficult things with with building for them? And we'll go back to you, Matt, on that. Uh, keeping them alive. (laughs) (laughs) If you, if you want to, if you want to kind of keep some people around alive, it's really difficult to work in the survivability, um, cards, um, or anything like that because they do die so easily. So if you want to keep someone alive, I mean, there's really not a whole lot of stuff you can do without making a lot of sacrifices. Sure. Yeah. Because it, uh, the more survivability, if, if we're talking power deck stuff, the more survivability stuff you put in, the uh the less you're able to contribute to your core thing which is you know attack attack uh hit hard and hit accurately with uh with some of the other great cards they have there uh it's interesting with the survivability issue because they have a number of in faction surges which are potentially powerful or potentially really good but they rely on you having a certain number of fighters alive to even do it so i'm talking here about blood for the blood god which is uh, make three charges uh which on paper, early on is, is pretty easy because you're kind of doing what you want to do already. Uh, but I frequently draw that into the game where I I maybe at the start around have three, but then you charge one, they kill one of your other guys before they charge, and all of a sudden it's unscorable. And then the other one is uh, let the blood flow, which is which is 
a, a real rare and tasty aggro to to glory surge, but it needs three different people to make a successful attack. Uh, and that, uh, that is difficult to score when they're all alive and it's impossible to score once you're, once you're down to two. So, uh, I've, that's, that's the other piece of the, uh, the dying to a stiff breeze that is challenging. And so, um, do you, when, when you, so you say you found that challenging, are there any survivability upgrades you ever salt in? I put in sudden growth. Um, because I like to have, a, you know, that one key fighter who is equipped with a ton of offerings or something like that, or if it's Garrick, you know, Grizzle Trophy as well, I want them to stay alive. So once they get into the fray and they're in there, mm-hmm. you know, throwing dice, um, they really don't have to go that far. So putting two extra wounds on them sure. and they still are fast as is. Right. Uh, to me, that's, that's the key survivability card I use. So once they're, once you're saying like, once you're inspired, it's okay to take that two movement hit, you're still moving at speed three. And you're uh, you're up in the mix, um, so I I think uh, I think that's solid. You you uh, you don't get very far by some of the other ways people improve survivability. Like uh, you know, survival instincts is the classic beast grave card, right? Like kind of waste on these guys. Single dice, you know, it's not nothing, but it's not nearly as good as uh, as just you know assuming that you're going to take the hit and just be prepared to take the damage instead. Um. <clears throat> Uh, Phil, when you are building, um, talk to me, let's see, what, uh, are there any objective cards you, you absolutely will not leave home without for these guys? Uh, I think every single time I start building a deck for these guys, I've got, uh, it begins and corn cares not, um, and break those down for us in case somebody, so, yeah. So it begins is you scored in an end phase when one fighter from each war band is out of action. It's just that it feeds right into what you're trying to do and given how fragile your fighters are one of them at least is probably gonna die although mm-hmm. i have had games where sometimes they don't and it, it's a weird feeling um and then corn cares not is just five fighters out of action total friendly or enemy um so as you're mentioning with that gets matchup that card starts to get really easy because there's lots of fighters going out of action all the time mm-hmm. um if you're going up against Wormspat, for instance, that suddenly becomes much more difficult. But sure. again, it's for two glory. Um, it's a solid end phase card, and it's something you're trying to do anyway. So I feel like it's always a solid start to have those. It fills two end phase slots for you, mm-hmm. um, which I think finding good end phase cards for aggro can be difficult at times. I, th- I think what's particularly strong about corn cares not is that it can fill it kind of fills a double role of if we're in a glory race where uh we're both executing our game plan pretty well like say you're playing against you know grim watch or, or like my example gets where they're both sides are kind of stacking up glory this helps you kind of keep pace in the race uh mm-hmm. and on the flip side it's a little bit of a catch-up if it's a if it's like a lower scoring but they're getting the edge on you well, I killed one guy. You got me down to four. I've got one guy still tooled up. All of a sudden, I got two Lord to to try and maintain pace. Like it's a little bit of a, uh, a it can be a catch up card. Although it's it, if you're if you're that far behind, it it can be challenging anyway. Uh, Matt, is there anything you uh, you reach for on the regular? Uh, Blood for the Blood God mm-hmm. is a staple of mine. I would definitely say it begins. Corn cares not. Those are one hundred percent staples. Blood for the Blood God as well. Uh, again, just like uh, you guys said earlier, if you get it early. Um, it's, you know, very easy to get most times. Um, and even if you get round two, it's pretty easy. And even round three, sometimes you can get it. Um, 
so it's it's it it's a pat it's not exactly passive because you do have to make charges but you don't have to succeed in those attacks and that's that's key mm-hmm. because it, is, it allows you to generate the glory to get those upgrades out and get your kill on so mm-hmm. i think it's a, a great card for him yeah i think that's that's a card in particular that um you can build a little to help yourself with like if you, you should give some uh range two or three weapon upgrades they can make sure that that's uh executable no matter how the board's dropped uh and i think uh how you how you end up uh deploying gets a little you you can get a little smarter about how you how you put your fighters down like uh this is where Carsis can go a little farther back because his range two can uh let you score this even if he's coming from downtown um so yeah uh while we're on the subject of surges um Let's see. No, actually, let's switch it up. Um, do you put any third end phase objectives in your in your deck right now? Uh, lamenting the the loss of pure carnage. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Come back soon. So. Yeah, without pure carnage, it's it's really difficult to find a third end phase card that's worth it. Um, you can argue um, maybe conquest, but for two glory, third end phase. Uh, I think most people don't take it. I personally don't take it. Um, I think there's easier ways to earn two glory mm-hmm. um, in the game at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so without pure carnage, uh, no, not really. <laughs> How about you, Phil? Anything that you grab? Yeah, I uh, I've played around with conquest a bit. It sometimes it works, um, but it relies on somebody living, which is not always possible. Um. I've tried out Hoarder as well um, for an interesting grab for three glory, but uh, you have to have a lot of glory that you're not spending, and these guys like their upgrades. So mm-hmm. um, sometimes it starts to put you into some weird situations where you're like trying to do the math of like, can I afford this upgrade? And like, is it going to block me out from being able to score Hoarder? And uh it generally feels bad, um, at least in my experience, is that like you really just want your fighters to be as effective as possible and you don't really want to have to think about whether or not you can afford to put the upgrades out. Yeah. So I've also started to shy away from that one too. Um, I, I spent a fair amount of time uh, uh, trying out Hoarder for similar reasons. It, it felt like this is my closest thing to replacing Pure Carnage. And it would all it would inevitably give me some point in the middle of round two where I'd be making that exact decision, like, okay, I could put frenzy on, and if I get this kill, I'll still stay on pace to do what I need to do. Right. But if I, you know, like, can I afford to do that? So you, you, it it makes for some real cold sweat, you know, steady hands moments of, <laughs> of trying to trying to decide what the the right route to go is. And I definitely made the wrong choice a number of times. Uh, I, I think it's just a spot that a lot of aggro decks are in right now where they get stuck uh, really searching for enough stuff to raise their glory ceiling. Did you have more? I, I don't know if I cut you off. Yeah, um, I was just going to say that I think, and I haven't tried it out yet, but um, you you could try, I think, what is it, aggressive strategy? Mm. Um, scoring surges? Yeah, I think you could try it. I don't know if it's worth it. Again, it's only two glory, and it's not technically a third end phase, but it might as well be mm-hmm. um, because you have to score, uh, you know, two or five surges in the game to score it. 
So, sure. um, but it, it is possible. Um, it is another one that you could, you could think of as a third end phase. And if you just happen to get it earlier, then Hey, great. Um, but I don't, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that it's always a great choice. Hmm. Yeah, and that kind of brings up a good point. I was thinking if you are going to be doing a flex strategy with them, you might be sitting on objective, in which case you could possibly go for uh, to the end, but um, you still need to use some activations to to draw cards and really want to use those activations to kill things. So Yeah. Yeah, it's really difficult to think of a third end phase type card, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it actually is or, or is basically yeah. that, that fits them. Yeah, right I guess back to Hoarder, I thought it was pretty strong. I was pretty happy with it until I saw, uh, I think it might have been Shuby playing with it with his uh, sepulchral guard, and he was so much better tailor-made for that where he'd you know get off a few keys and all of a sudden it was, it was like just casually scoring, scoring Hoarder at the end. I was like, ah, that's the deck that wants Hoarder. Right. Not, not, my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not my crazy bunch of savages. Uh, well, in on along the lines of aggressive strategy, uh a lot of decks kind of one of the core things you're doing when you're building a deck is figuring out like what, what are the easy surges I can score to make sure that I get mid round glory and get to get to be able to do some useful things even as early as, you know, the uh, second, third, fourth activation of round one. Uh, where do you turn for that? Those sort of, I, I say passive, but I guess uh, what I'm really saying is uh, easier, low glory surges to get, just to get the, the motor running and started revving uh, to full speed. Matt, is there, is there some cards that you find that work particularly well for these guys? Yeah. Um, because you want your fighters to die, uh, particularly Targor and Arnulf uh, early to help you inspire. Um, I don't, I don't particularly mind if they die. So I like to run calculated risk because if they get down to one glory, you know, or sorry, one, one health left, I mean, makes it easier to kill. I'm not too worried about it. So calculated risks, um, I like to run that. And actually martyred, sometimes it could, it could gum up my hand a little bit, but uh, it's not a passive way. Uh, you know, you run through someone through a calculated, or sorry, through a lethal hex to score calculated risks, run them into another lethal hex, score martyred, um, mm-hmm. get two glory out of one of your dangle bros. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. And the, um, and and the cost the of losing somebody isn't as steep, right? Because you're one step closer right. to inspiration. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. And then, um, again, I like to run uh, Blood for the Blood God. Um, Whenever they become inspired, they get base movement five. So gather momentum is actually great for them. And mm-hmm. uh, the particular way I like to play them, I like to even put uh, spectral wings and great speed and stuff. So actually, I, I play with cover ground myself as well. It's ah, not sure. a passive way to score something immediately. Yep, yep, yep. Um, bomb, bomb somebody in at a target that. Yeah, I mean that, that's a that stacks up. So that's that's a the only risk there is card dependent, right? Um, if you if you don't draw the card, you want with it do you find right. yourself mulliganing to get to spectral wings or or vice versa getting rid of uh, some i mean it really is dependent um great speed's good because you can just throw it on someone uh once they're inspired and then just you know find the right activation for them to to use it um spectral wings you have to you know you have to draw into or have that in hand at the right time so it gets tricky at times mm-hmm. you know i'm not saying it's the best one sure. but uh, for these guys they don't have they don't have an embarrassment of options, so I'll take what I can get. Yeah, I think they have. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's uh, true. I think you end up, uh, I, like you said, uh, calculated risk is a is real easy, almost a no brainer for them because you don't mind. You generally don't mind, you know, damaging Targor or Arnulf in order to uh, uh, get some progress. 
uh, martyred. I, I actually take that quite a bit too. And it's, it's a, it feels like the safe choice, right? So other than its counterpart, which is strong start, I've had people tell me, Hey, you're the aggressor. You need to have strong start in there. I was like, yeah, but you know, my guys die pretty easily. And if I don't get the first activation in round two, like a lot of times that ends up scoring, that just lets me, lets me stay on, on pace. Uh, or, or a lot of times, uh, they like to get powered up. Your, your fighters like to get powered up with their, uh, upgrades and, and, uh, ploys. And so sometimes it's nice to say like, okay, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let the other person take the first round. If they want to try and kill somebody who's vulnerable, then I'll, I'll hit them back with a full power card suite of, uh, right. Stuff. So, exactly. Um, Martyred is great to, to keep up in glory. Um, when your opponent thinks that all of a sudden, Oh great. I just took out that fighter. You're like, Oh, well I scored Martyr mm-hmm. too. And it's always the same reaction. They're like, oh. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, know? they thought they had you and you, you keep up with them step by step. And I used to take strong start all the time back when I played in night vault, mm-hmm. um, with, with the Reavers. But again, like you said, sometimes you just, you don't win that roll off. You lose a fighter early, um, or the first one and you know, there goes that card. So, um, I think it's, it's martyrs just a little bit better sure. because even if you don't score martyred, Oh, well, you know, that means I just killed one of their fighters. Like I'm not too worried then, whatever. And I will say in certain control or standoff matchups, I occasionally I've, I've, triggered martyred with uh by using a lethal ward on my own damaged guy um with the or with the lethal hex move that you talked about or even there's uh feels real bad to have to do this but uh the uh, uh not fuel by slaughter the one that image looks similar uh blood blood offering um mm-hmm. you can you can pop a guy <laughs> that way so yeah i know that's super rough but uh but uh, you know on occasion i've done it that way and sometimes it'll it'll uh feed into you know i already got calculated risk uh, that gets me martyred, which gets me combo strike. And all of a sudden, yeah, you lost the guy and burned it, burned a gambit on your own dude, but you're, you're sitting pretty for the next round. Uh, especially against, I, I, that is a maneuver I find, uh, particularly, I think I remember playing against Adam F's, um, control eyes of the nine. And that, that gave me mm-hmm. the resources to then dive in and actually do some work instead of it stagnating. Okay. So. Point a little, uh, point a little side note on that. I remember when you guys had him, uh, on the show, right? Yeah. Uh, I played that that deck at the Dallas Grand Clash, which is the micro grind crash that a lot of people forget about. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I actually I played him there when I was playing Godsworn, and that yeah he had, he had a great uh, a great play style. Yeah. Um, just want to give a shout out to him for that real quick. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. So and then I guess I guess they have a couple other sort of. Uh, I don't know, edge case things. There's a draw the gaze of corn, which needs two fighters to die. I think there's a, they have, that's, that's a pretty decent surge. If you are making a meta call of, I think I'm going to see a lot of grim watch, or I think I'm going to see a lot of ghosts. Like I, I find that pretty easy to score. Conversely, uh, you know, the most obvious is worm spat, which a nightmare to try and, uh, get that. Like if you do get that, then it's probably game for you anyway. But yeah. Um, but you know, I think they end up with some of those weird edge cases. Like, where where do I think, where do I think I need some shoring up? Did I did I stack up so much on damage that I might need a little help, you know, against the hordes or, or something like that? So that's a that's a call. But um, we good to move on to some power cards. I think. Uh, and we got anything else they want to say about objectives before we skip town on them? 
Yeah, I think with them, uh, because, you know, they do have the capability of scoring um, something like gather momentum or cover ground, like all in the same activation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they are a good candidate for combination strike opening gambit. I think those are, you know, play off the, the scoring surge cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then personally, I, I always take keep chopping because I like to go aggro. Yeah, so. yeah. I will also just say I agree with all those things. I've got, admittedly, I haven't tweaked this deck in a bit, but like if we just checked off the boxes every time one of the ones that I've got in this deck list was called off, it'd be like 10 of the 12 have been called out. So <laughs> we're all on the same wavelength here. All right. Good deal. Um, well, let's talk about the power deck side of things. What are your priorities here uh, when you're when you're building a power deck? And we'll go back to you, Matt. Like, what what are you what are you reaching for? And you can go back and forth to uh, gambits or, or upgrades, however, whatever wherever the spirit takes you here. So, so I'm a little so I, I'm a little unorthodox, I think, from maybe some people. I think because I play, you know, it, my meta right here in the Atlanta area. Um, I have players like you know Corey Sullivan, you know, one of my CryptF crew uh, members, and uh, just a bunch of other players that we we tend to favor positioning and movement a lot. So I do tech very heavily into uh, extra dice, extra damage, but then also um, movement shenanigans is what we call it. Just control stuff, whether it's the double distraction, sidestep, um, you know, commanding strides, something like that. Like that stuff where it allows you to make those little positional changes mm-hmm. mid, you know, mid uh, uh, action phase that someone didn't see coming, mm-hmm. I think is very, very powerful. So mm-hmm. I like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's about where I'm at. Yeah, I, I think I'm the same boat. I think one thing, you know, if you're flipping through their cards, one of the things that jumps out to you is that they have a number of ways to increase dice. Uh, so frenzy and upgrade that gives you an extra dice when you charge, particularly strong on Karsis if he's doing his whirl because you'll get to... Uh, process it multiple times because there's lots of uh, charge attacks happening within that world uh, but blood offering take a damage for for plus two dice which is people already take haymaker it's a you know not too dissimilar downside and so you're noticing like oh i've got i got a lot of ways to get extra dice i can kind of stack these up and, and go that route with them um yeah i think uh i think as we've mentioned earlier in the in the cast survivability is kind of taking a second seat Back when back when last chance existed, that was I think that was a solid one. Just to, you know, people think they've got a uh, an easy kill, and you you two thirds of the time tell them that no, in fact they don't. You know, so well nowadays you can take rebound. <laughs> wow, well, yeah, <laughs> get your one third of chance, yeah, and then drink yeah, people's like tears. That kill. <laughs> <laughs> and, their, and their fighters and their fighters' blood. Yeah, yes, well exactly. that too. <laughs> and I mean the original rebound had uh targor on there so i mean it's, <laughs> it's very canon. true yeah uh phil well let's let's get uh let's get specific phil um what uh if you're going for uh accuracy or speed or damage give me one of those categories that uh that you find like some particular cards uh, especially helpful uh so so it i mean i guess if I was going to have to pick out of those categories, um, one that I like a lot is Challenge Seeker in the upgrades. Um, mm-hmm. You have a lot of fighters who are going to be below some of the bigger fighters in terms of wounds. Um, and so you it, just a free plus one dice for all of your attacks can be huge, especially for somebody like Sake. 
um, who's already hitting really hard and he just needs that added accuracy to make him like if you go to three hammers three damage that's super scary um mm-hmm. so i do really like that one um but uh and i mean i guess this is also kind of an accuracy upgrade but i i really have enjoyed fueled by slaughter um and i didn't used to but after seeing you play it against me a few times <laughs> i uh, warmed up to it a bit more Break that down for us. What is it? Yeah. So fueled by slaughter is a reaction where you uh, play it after an attack or a ploy that takes a fighter out of action. And so right away, it's not making a distinction of whose fighter did the killing. It's just as long as some fighter has been taken out of action. By somebody. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't care which which side the fighter was on or who did it. Yep. Yep. And And then one of your friendly fighters can then make a free attack. So why that's so good, uh, and and I think you, you alluded to this a little bit earlier and that adding some extra reach for fighters can be big with this, mm-hmm. but um, you can either use it defensively, so like somebody kills Targor and then you're like, well, now Karsis can like swing out and smack your guy back, or yeah. um, you can charge somebody like Saikin and then after he chops some little guy, you know, Garrick on the other side of the board's like, Oh, he killed someone. Now I'm going to kill somebody. Um, it can just have this cascading effect. And because it's a reaction, I think it often can catch people off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I, I, go ahead. It's in faction. So you're pretty much always going to have it. Right. It's right. As in, it's not going to get rotated out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what drew my eye to this and uh, Matt, i you sent me one of your decks and I uh, basically ran it just so we'd be on the same page. Uh, notice it was in there. I'm very happy to see it. Uh, I know that sometimes it just sits in your hand. You can't figure out a way to get it to go. Uh, like Phil just said, range two helps a lot because it increases, you know, if, if you kill somebody next to you and then have range two. So this is particularly good for a couple of reasons on uh, Karsis. One, you can have the dream of charging him into a group of three, killing somebody on the first one, using that to do a new fresh whirling attack and then return to your original whirling attack. So all of a sudden he's throwing like five attacks in a, in a round or something like that. <laughs> like that's pretty wild. Uh, but also his range too. Like I've, I've had him run in, kill somebody and then range to be able to reach out and hit somebody else. Um, the, the next level, the, uh, the proudest moment I had was, uh, uh, I charged in with Saik missed uh stacked a lot of dice in my favor didn't didn't land you know i was probably on a 75 percent or something like that uh and then did the uh did the shenanigan where i lethal warded uh targor back on an objective elsewhere uh <laughs> scored martyred because he was the first guy to die and then used uh used the um fuel by slaughter to give sake another try and he he sealed the deal with his second attempt mm. um so you just, you just live the dream i know i was like <laughs> i i need to i need to stop playing reavers right now because i don't think it's ever going to get better than that um so say got real fired up by uh arnold electrocuting himself back on objective three in his own territory so and again like what phil's saying it, it's no it's no distinction between which fighter it is so sometimes let's say you came in for a charge with garrick for example mm. <clears throat> he missed and then your opponent says, oh, well, he charged. He's no longer in the fight. I don't need to worry about him. Then right. they go focus on someone else. They kill him. Now Garrett gets a second swing. Yes, exactly. And with the with the uh, loss of ready for action, uh, additional attacks like this are, are a highly valuable commodity. So if you can find 
uh, if you can find an infection card that grants that to you, you you better you know perk up and pay attention because yeah. it, it's a it's a yeah. big deal. Um, yeah, you think about Ray Fraction. I mean, that was you know how uh, important, how vital that was to the game. Mm -hmm. um, and this is another card that just gives you a, a a free attack action. So that's huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, something, I and mean, I talked about, uh, uh, using the deck that you had put together. Um, you included some stuff in there that I have typically shied away from, and I, I think I may understand better, uh, why it's in there, but, uh, you had uh, both Grizzly Trophy and Tome of Offerings. Um, so mm -hmm. for those who don't know, break down Grizzly Trophy for us and give us your thoughts on, uh, on why, wh where, what role you think those uh, play? Why, why do you think it's important to be spending upgrade slots on some additional glory generation there? Well, because if you look at Grimwatch, you look at Thorns. Um, I mean, any any of the the warbands that are able to really um, take the take advantage of the hold objective playstyle. Right now in Beastgrave, the glory generation from hold objective is just so rapid. That in order to keep up with that, Tome of Offerings, Grizzle Trophy, getting uh, you know two glory a pop every time you kill someone, is 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 key to keep up. Because otherwise, I mean the you know the the deck I run for them has 16 base glory, mm -hmm. um, but if I'm getting those kills and I have those upgrades on at the same time, now I can be getting into the 20s and keeping up. So even if you know my opponent scores supremacy, has a key or something like that, temp victory, blah blah. Um, now they're still not going to outrun me. Sure. Uh, and what I always struggled with is, is like, I'm going to put it on sick. He's going to go and get one kill by the time I have it on. It's probably round two. Maybe I'll get a second kill. I mean, two glory is a pretty big deal. So I don't know why I was mentally poo pooing it, but well, and then I, oh, we should say uh grizzly trophy is the, is tome of offerings, but restricted to Garrick. Um, uh, but, uh, what I was hearing about you and your deck talking about, uh, distractions and sidesteps and that sort of thing. And that's a way mm -hmm. where you're, you're probably getting more, uh, work out of that than I was, uh, realizing because with those little steps, all of a sudden one fighter is making, you know, two to three attacks in a round and maybe is, maybe is using, getting a lot more mileage out of those than, uh, than I was with, uh, where I had kind of gotten greedy and not, not taken some of those positioning cards, which are, uh, which are, as you mentioned, extremely powerful. Yeah, it just plays into my particular play style. I like to throw someone like Sake or Garrick into the middle of the fray, um, you know, hopefully get a kill off, uh, throw sudden growth on them. Next round, you know, they're sitting around with, with you know, five, six health maybe mm -hmm. uh, if they haven't taken any damage at that point. Mm -hmm. And now you sidestep subtractions, whatever, and um, just start laying waste, you know, get a couple attack actions out of them. Yeah, and I suppose particularly powerful against a hold objective deck, which is feeling like it it's tied to its objectives. You know, they... They can't run away easily without abandoning their game plan, which is maybe playing into your hands as well. Uh, as far as other glory generation, uh, either you guys use, uh, I, I used to use, um, what, a crown of avarice. Do you, do you ever reach for that anymore? Or is that kind of, uh, with its entirely reasonable, uh, modifications and restrictions it's gotten, is that, is that, uh, just not finding room for you right now? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much on board with Phil. It's 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 good, but it's better for the warbands that allow fighters to resurrect. With these guys, I think your slots are better utilized elsewhere. Sure. Continuing on the topic of, of glory generation, there are the Amberbone weapons, and Brandon Huss was asking us, is there an Amberbone build with these guys? Um, and uh, I can say for for uh, early on when I was running a fair amount of them in Beast Grave, I, I used the Amberbone axe, 
mostly it was in there because a it was the only amber bone weapon out at the time uh b the extra glory generation felt good c it could uh if i still hadn't gotten inspired it would make uh targor arnulf more accurate slash higher damage that felt good and then if you're real desperate you could always throw it uh to make sure that you got your blood for the blood god if you had somebody way out of position or or something like that just needed that one extra um I don't know that that would be my first choice. Actually, I know it would not be my first choice Amberbone weapon. I'm, I'm probably going for Amberbone spear. We still don't know what the last two Amberbone weapons are. Uh, there were more Nullstone because, specifically, actually, because of Reavers and, and Steelhearts. Uh, so we're not sure if we're going to see darts or arrows or uh, or or sword or, or what. You know, that we can make some educated guesses, but uh, there's not enough slots left if they continue the one per warband. But um, so I, I think I think it's worth considering. Uh, I would include a couple. Matt, did you you sent us something? Said you'd uh, you tried this out. How how heavy? How deep down the Amberbone uh, rabbit hole did you go when you uh, tried oh. that out? <laughs> I went all four. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I really wanted to try it out. All right. And I can tell you from uh, personal experience, it's not the route you should go if you want to throw Amberbone weapons <laughs> in your, right. into your deck. The problem is uh, with four of them. Obviously, I mean, you know. Maybe you can get some recycled use out of it if you happen to be positioned correctly, but it's really, really unlikely. And the thing is, the fighters that you want the, to have the Amberbone weapons is probably Targo and Arnulf. And at least for my playstyle, I usually use them as bait early on to try to get me to inspire as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. So they're really not even alive that long. And it seems like when you put an Amberbone weapon on, you know, Karsis or, or Sake or something like that, it's a downgrade for the most part. So. There's a little bit of validity to it, but I think if you're mm-hmm. going to throw some Amberbone weapons in there, don't go all four, you know, uh, or more than that. Um, probably <laughs> throw the spear in there, probably throw, you know, whatever, if they come out with a sword or something like that. Someone with accuracy, probably pretty good. Yeah. Right. You, uh, you want to be getting some extra in there, whether that be range or whether that be, uh, I don't, what's what's the one that uh, rerolls everything in Nullstone? Is that Nullstone Mace? Uh, I think uh, so. Yeah. Uh, or so it's two rerolls or something. They had one that was coming out. Yeah, reroll, Nullstone Mace, reroll up to two dice in the attack roll. So that, that might be a thing that, you know, if there's an Amberbone Mace uh, with rerolls, then that's accuracy. If there's an Amberbone Sword with three smash, then that's accuracy. Um, so they're depending on what the last two come out. I, I do, I think the spear is kind of cool uh, and, and, you know, accompanies... Accompanies blood for the blood god nicely. Accompanies um, uh, the uh, fueled by slaughter for the extra range two attack. So, uh, but yeah, I I think right. You got any thoughts on it, Phil? Yeah, I would just I think only I would look at the axe and the spear personally. Um, take it, get the extra reach. Maybe if you need it, gives you an out when you're down to Targor on the Arnolf needing to do work. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess on the flip side, it does put a target on their head because all of a sudden they can actually hit fairly reliably and it'll be for an extra glory if they get a kill. So um, you could kind of use it that way, but I think um, generally I, I would look at that as just trying to get more reach. Mm-hmm. Uh <clears throat> So we mentioned Grizzly Trophy. I want to do a quick aside. That is that is a fighter specific card. This uh, this warband actually comes with eight, not including the leaders pack. 
uh, comes with eight fighter specific cards. Uh, of those eight, we've mentioned one of them, Grizzly Trophy. Are there any others that you uh, ever consider including, uh, Matt? Mm, I mean, it's it's really difficult. I think uh, people know by now. Um, in order to include a fighter specific upgrade, it needs to be a really good upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, you know, these fighter specific upgrades were back in the wild west days of shades <laughs> when the game designers are still figuring everything out. Yeah. So there's a couple of them are just plain bad and a couple of them that are all right, but nothing that jumps out at me. Yeah. I, in, uh, in times where damage, uh, damage upgrades are difficult to find, uh, so perhaps as as seasons cycle, I think you're going to look back at uh, Whirlwind of Death, which is uh, great strength but restricted to Karsis. Yeah, uh, I think I think whenever the card pool gets real low, the the value of that card comes up a bit. Um, he can't, unfortunately, he can't. Well, with his ranged one, he can use it with his Whirl, uh, but the uh, uh, Urgrub, uh, Sting of the Urgrub. Sting of the Urgrub. It's it's a little wonky with how it interacts with him, and if you're if you're taking my range two strategy, then that that doesn't always interact great. But um, that is that is by and large a better thing to include in the warband since it's not restricted to uh, a single person. Uh, yeah, like that is. Um, and then uh, for me, Garrick had one that I, it's not good enough to take, but uh, but it always makes me. It's uh, well, he's got. Oh, maybe, maybe maybe there's even more because he's got blood slick right so that's he does maybe, yeah and then he's also got ever advancing so actually he's got three that are devoted to him so i should say there's nine uh ever advancing is this uh when he could be driven back during an attack action whether or not your opponent chooses to do so you can instead push them one hex that is that is <laughs> the the card i desperately miss from the uh universals is that uh uh, superior agility or light footed. That's, that's that same thing. Only it's for Garrick only. The problem is he's it because it's a fighter specific. And because, uh, even at four wounds, he's still kind of made of paper with his one dodge. He's, he's not the best candidate in the game for that sort of, sort of card. But, uh, that, that always like tempts me just a little bit. Cause I had so much fun <laughs> with those, with those cards before. So, well, one thing that's really interesting is that with Warhammer Underworlds Online, um, because the the game is you know reintroducing and everything in such a different way, uh, you know because they have different they have essentially a different card release schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you're taking you're taking looks at these at these uh, fashion specific cards that maybe you never had in the past. So, for example, with um, uh, with Steelheart, I can't remember the name of the card right off the top of my head, but you put on Steelheart. And if a fighter ends their activation within two hexes of, of Steelheart, he gets to push one hex. Oh, is this heroic so stride? Like, is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think that's it. So this is another example of that where, you know, as you said, as the as the seasons rotate or um, you know, even when these guys come out in Underworlds online, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think that might be a good card to take a look at. Uh, you mentioned Underworlds Online. Dos Esos uh, asked us why are these guys not out for Underworlds Online? <laughs> uh, my thought is I, I remember those, that those first, uh, starter set box of games of Reavers versus Steelhearts. That is a, that felt like a pretty rough matchup, you know, run in, uh, Oberyn rolls his shield inspires. Now he's on two block and he crushes you. And like one by one, you just run in and get smushed. I, I think, I think these guys are maybe a little unforgiving, um, of, of bad dice or if you don't have the, the right cards in hand. 
so I, I think maybe it was a it was a good idea to let them leave them leave them to a little bit later because uh, if somebody's just getting into the game uh, that can be that can be a tough matchup especially with a with a small card pool yeah I think I don't know season... if, I don't know if that was their reasoning or not but you know maybe it was yeah I think season one these guys were especially like hard pressed to find tools that felt like they really let them shine um, until the very late parts of season one I think yeah. Um, so yeah, I, um, I think you don't want to have it, f- have a war band that people just immediately say, we're not going to play this one. Um, when you're already down to only like three choices. Um, so. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I mean, just looking because I haven't played so much Underworlds online recently, it actually makes this Warband very relevant because they will be coming out, you know, sooner than a lot of the other stuff. Like, you're going to see Reavers in online, in the online game, before you see, you know, uh, Eltharis, for example, and just throw up a random Warband out there. Sure. So it does, it does still make them really relevant. And in that context, um, yeah, there's, there's, I think they definitely have some legs. I mean, mm-hmm. they're fast, they can hit hard, and with cards like Twist the Knife, Trap, I mean, yeah. they still get those kills off early. Oh, man, Twist the Knife. Oh, <laughs> memories flooding card. back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so let's uh, let's talk. We, we here in the physical space are in uh, the Beast Grave season, though. So um, let's we've talked some about them a little bit in isolation. Let's talk a little bit about uh, matchups, our thoughts on some of those. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach back to uh, a couple episodes ago when Phil and I still thought. Adepticon might possibly be happening. We've talked about uh, war bands in the cut and outside of that. So let's run through maybe what we think about uh, against some of those big, uh, beefy, beefy war bands in the cut, and then uh, maybe some more generalized, generalized uh, thoughts. So what? Uh, let's go with the bullies on the block. What do you think about them into uh, Grimwatch? How do you feel about that matchup? Um, we'll go. We'll go back to Matt. They, I think they, depending on your playstyle with them, uh, my playstyle is fast aggro, right? I like to rely on speed, and um, which means that even if I, you know, we'll say get the three objectives, and uh, so that way I keep those away from Grimwatch, and the Grimwatch player offsets the boards or whatever to try to keep me from getting them inspired mm. uh, or help them get inspired, um, I still have enough tech to kind of get past that. And even in that circumstance, I think they still do pretty well. They get in their face, they get in their zone, they stop them from inspiring, and they're, they're you know, the little minions, the um, the ghouls, they die pretty easily. Mm-hmm. One dodge when they're inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's actually a pretty good matchup for the most part. Obviously, with the glory generation from ghouls, it's hard to keep up. And um, you know, if they do inspire, I mean, good luck. But <laughs> right, but. Uh, but yeah, I think I think they're not too bad. I think they're not too bad. I would agree. I think it feels fun to come flying in and uh, and find a way to kill Gristlewell before he gets to do his stuff. Uh, and then if they want to bring the Duke up to try and counter, then you're you're pretty happy with that. You can start wailing away on him with your other guys. Um, I I think just because of your speed and your natural aggression, uh, you are very happy to just go flying into there. You're you're not. I guess what we've talked about with Grimwatch in the past is a lot of times they disrupt the their opponent's game plan by saying, Hey, if you want to keep us from inspiring, you need to come into our deployment zone and Reaver say, cool. This sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. They go, they want to do that. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of funny that like normally people think of Reavers as a weaker war band, but I think they 
are uniquely positioned to be a good counter to Grimwatch, which is sort of a strange thing where like they can end up being a lurker in the first day of a of a grand clash where it's like, oh man, could be knocking out Grimwatch players just because you have a good matchup against them. Mm. Um, what else we say was up in there? Uh, the, uh, the thorns of the Briar Queen, um, similar horde warband, often holding objectives. Uh, any, any thoughts in there? Um, we'll go with Phil first this time. So I, I think again, they have a decent time here. Um, I think they, they love hitting chain rasps. It's just pretty easy generally and there's a lot of them so it's like cool i can get charges off i can get kills off i think the flip side is that they because of varclav they can get to holding multiple objectives faster than grimwatch do sometimes Mm -hmm. um and so sometimes they can get the queen to be pretty scary and pretty Mm -hmm. hard to hit really early on um and then the flip side of like if they do get inspired early and they all go to two well i mean they don't all inspire at once but if they do get inspired they go to two dodge and that can start to feel rough if you didn't tech with enough stuff to deal with that Mm -hmm. uh matt any thoughts about that matchup yeah i definitely agree i think um you know briar queen could be an absolute menace um so it's difficult because you want to stop them from scoring too fast, but they're going to score, you know, especially get 10th victory out early. Um, then when she starts gearing up, uh, you know, GG for the most part. Right. Uh, I, I think the other interesting consideration with them is like what you get used to with Reavers is sometimes doing that throwaway early charge. Like, ah, I'll just like a lot of times I'd like bombing Arnulf in early, especially if somebody's standing near a lethal um and then you know maybe i get a crit maybe i just get the damage in length or maybe just push him back and get a little damage to start but uh throwing somebody in with low accuracy and low expectation of getting a kill uh can be pretty bad against thorns because they then swarm back onto the person and they inspire a bunch of the warband all of a sudden your your path got just got a whole lot harder uh, as far as taking them out later um so i i think you need to be a little more a little more uh i don't know um judicious in in when you when you uh, decide to start committing forward um unless you've got somebody who is isolated you know maybe a maybe one that's trapped um and you can pick off or, or something like that or they would have to pull too far out of range to uh to start uh getting those inspires but that's just something to keep in mind there um phil you played a lot of uh you you played a lot of uh the uh, ogre hrothgorn have you played into reavers yet or any reavers ask enough to give you any thoughts on that um I haven't so I'll say that I've played into aggro scathes which I think are somewhat similar they're high speed high aggro but still different enough that I don't I don't think it gives you quite the same feel um I've also played into uh, Gashrax, sure. and I think that's probably a bit closer to what you might be experiencing. Um, and generally, I've, I've actually, uh, sorry, I've just just like a little sad. I've heard I've heard Gashrax uh, described as weird reapers. If you guys have heard that before, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I think it's just hilarious. Like title. For I them. think <laughs> uh, that seems pretty accurate. I haven't heard that before, but I would I would definitely agree. 
Um, but I think in in both cases, it uh, it's a little bit like um, when Reavers in season two were going into Molog. It can feel okay because you're like, well, as long as I hit my charges, even if I get killed back, I don't really care as long as I get, you know, the last laugh here and kill the big guy. Um, I think what can get rough is that once Hrothgorn's inspired, he's on two block um, and he's still yeah. pretty fast. So if you run somebody in, they don't get the kill and then he hunting knifes you back and inspires Oh yeah. Now it yeah. feels really bad. Um and he's got a range attack as well. So even if people are standing a ways off, he can still just shoot your guys dead. So sure. I personally feel like that's a pretty rough matchup, but um it could it could really come down to some dice if you make some bomb sure. charges where you've got, you know, plus one damage and plus one dice or something crazy going on. Um and you're just like, well, mm-hmm. here's a four damage hit from sake you're probably pretty scared yeah. as a Hrothgorn player. Sure. Right. They don't want to be hanging around on that uh, couple of damage. I wonder if it's a, uh, you know, one thing that the speed I joke about the, the speed in that matchup is the ability to maybe pick off some of the little guys on the, on the way in, uh, generate some glory there and see if you can get ahead that way. Uh, at, at least there's enough people to, uh, rack up kills to get you on your way towards corn cares, not and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and man, I'm always happy to kill Bushwhacker before he can put that <laughs> trap somewhere super inconvenient. Yeah. So, um, uh, speed is, speed is nice for that, but yeah. Um, any thoughts on that, Matt, or we go on to another one? Uh, no, you guys can go on to another one. We'll all right. it all. Sure. Have you, uh, have you gone, here's one that, uh, I, I was going to say I feel bad in this matchup, but honestly, I feel bad every time I play him is, uh, Lady Harrow's Mourn Flight. Do you, uh, <laughs> have any particular thoughts on that matchup, Matt? So, funny enough, actually, I played a uh, Lady Hero in the first round of the Vassal Tournament that I played in um, Weekend Before Last, mm. and I 2-0'd him by uh, completely annihilating his warband for <laughs> the third round in both games. So, oh, wow. Um, so maybe it's totally yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, glory to Korn. Um, I think all the extra dice stuff helped me in, the, in those matchups, so it was pretty fun. <laughs> uh, well, let's take an aside. Uh, tell us more about the, the tournament. I, I forgot that we had that. Uh, can you... Uh, marches through so round one you uh went into lady heroes yeah. 2-0 i mean i wish i could say that yeah i did better after that but actually it was it was actually downhill after that <laughs> uh in round two i played a far strider player oh. who um he we went 2-1 okay. um i really think i could have won it had i not just the dice completely abandoned me which is the achilles heel of aggro right mm-hmm. if you have cold dice and good luck um but um yeah i wasted that I counted 15 dice trying to kill um, one particular uh, far strider uh, you know, fighter or whatever, and I couldn't do it. And oh, that no. you know stopped me from winning that game. Sure. So I lost that game, and then the next one after that, I actually played Jimmy Molini and his uh, his his, his gets, and that was a really fun match. Yeah. And that uh, man's again, familiar with Reavers too. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. It was a it was a ton of fun though. Jimmy's always a pleasure to play with. And that was another two-one uh, loss to me. Mm. Um, some really close games as well. Um, Jimmy does a great job. You know, he, he plays them flex where he holds objectives, but he gives them the Amberbone weapons too. Yeah. So, you know, he's able to get his kill on as well. Sure. 
And um, just like a little, um, you know, side note about that tournament, the far shower player who I lost to in round two ended up going on to win the whole wow. thing. What? So, <laughs> wow. All yeah. Right. So season one represent. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a real testament too that um, if you want to get weird, go join the the vassal, <laughs> the vassal community. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm intrigued now. So, um, what? That's uh, that's some stiff competition there. Um, was it was it uh, three rounds and good, or was that? Uh... So we it, it was kind of it was a little funky. So it was supposed to be four rounds that everyone plays four rounds completely. Mm-hmm. But since there was only sixteen players, um, the majority of us agreed after three rounds that we were just going to cut to the, the the final two, which are the two undefeated players, so they can play their their sure. match, and we could all just watch it. Oh, that's and fun. That's pretty much what yeah, that's pretty much what the majority of us did. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, wow. What were the far striders playing against? Uh, I don't, I don't remember. Oh, in the final. Yeah. And what was he playing? Uh, Banshee player. I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> I think it was because we're on UK time. I woke up really early. To oh, play sure, in sure. It. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I was kind of on autopilot by that point. Didn't, didn't matter who they were, their corpses. Yeah. Now, so far strategy yeah. reign supreme. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, a, it was a, it was a Banshee player. Okay. I'm thinking about it. Wow. Mm. Spicy. Uh, well, good aside. Let's let's bring it back here. Uh, any other matchup notes we want to we want to chat about here? Like, give me give me something you feel like is maybe a uh, particularly favorable. Like, how do you feel about the Gits matchup? I guess now that you saw it um, against Jimmy. Well, no, it's it's, just, it's actually funny that you say that because going into that matchup, um, you know, my my best friend who got me into the game, um, you know, he he was a Gits player for the longest time. So back when, in, you know, he and I used to just play each other, you know, almost exclusively, um, it was, you know, I played Reavers and he played Gits and I would just eat his lunch. Every time. <laughs> so, and that was kind of my experience. Anytime I played Gits and I was Reavers, I just, you know, just always um, just did really well. And, um, you know, Jimmy obviously gave me a little bit of a wake up call. But yeah. typically I'd say it's a really good matchup for Reavers. Yeah, I think the speed helps uh, make let you get to the get to the uh, goblins that you want to get and uh, lets you position in a way, you know, if you have a couple options that extra speed uh, at four or five, uh, you can, you can attack people that are near snark, but stay far enough away from him that he's not uh, as dangerous a counterattacking threat as, uh, as he'd be otherwise. So like there's uh, a lot to be, a lot to be said there. Yeah. And then having that many bodies on the tables, a huge benefit for corn cares, not and such. Um, one particularly bad one. I've not played this. No, that's not true. I did play this once. Uh, I played into Worm Spat, uh, and I just got super lucky. I it, it, the uh, the Worm Spat player just didn't roll, didn't roll any damage reduction, and didn't didn't tank, um, didn't tank the stuff that you might expect. But it it felt awful on my side, where I was like, I don't have any way to add damage to this. I'm just gonna charge and hope that he doesn't, you know, stop the hit or reduce it, and then get counterpunched. So. Uh, that feels like a, a pretty icky matchup. I don't know if you guys have seen it much. I haven't, but I can imagine that uh, most aggro players don't like that matchup very much. So I <laughs> mm. uh, can't imagine that the paper soft Reavers would like getting those counter punches <laughs> yeah. from like three damage Sepsimus or three smash Golgak. Or especially if nauseous revulsion drops and you're attacking them all at minus one dice because you have to be adjacent to them for most of your yeah. guys. Yeah, 
rough stuff. Uh, you seen it at all, Matt? Yeah. Um, you know, when the Nurgle actually first came out, um, I was just play testing them just straight out of the box. And my buddy was playing Reavers, you know, the deck that he'd been honing for a little while and, uh, just, you know, wipe the floor with them. So <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not particularly good for the Reavers. Yeah. 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 I think that, uh, there, you know, there's plenty, oh, I guess Stormstar is a good one to, to, uh, um, I was just going to say, mention that. I think that's a, yeah. My experience there is it comes down to can you can you commit early enough? Can you have damage in hand early enough to uh, pop Storm Sire before he can power up? Um, so for me, that uh, I think we talked about a little bit. You know, it, it uh, it's putting the game on a on a sixty uh, percent early on or something like that, where I'm just going to charge with Saic with two extra dice, and I've got. Uh, pit trap in hand for extra damage and you know let's hope that does the trick you know and if it does then easy street if not uh you got some hard work ahead of you uh i don't know if you got any other thoughts on that i i just personally mm -hmm. don't okay. like the matchup because i feel like even if you can kill storm sire amos is still a monster to try and deal with once she's inspired um sure. three smash for three damage no other upgrades at all it's kind of like oh sure. boy <laughs> uh that's true but that the the only caveat i'd say there is that if she's only on one defense dice that that feels doable yeah, you with, can, the, with the follow-up waves at it least, can be so. a big like everybody kills everybody match and oftentimes mm -hmm. you feel all right about that i think the yeah. plink damage oh, this is from sure. all the spells can be nasty too because one or two damage yeah. can be a you know the difference between fighters mm -hmm. living and dying for the reavers yeah uh and since there's some storms are uh builds out there some curse breaker builds are that are they're control oriented what are your thoughts into um what what few control matchups we see if you see i guess we might see it you see it sometimes with worm spat uh not a lot of steel hearts out there but uh you'll see it some with uh uh storm tires or i guess um with uh uh lady harrows i don't know if you were playing against an aggro lady harrows when you two owed them matt um but uh, i see a lot of hard control those um how do you feel yeah. how do you feel you approach the game with the reavers when you're going into that control matchup well again because i like to do fast aggro so i have the movement tech to get in there um so even if they're trying to keep me out of there I, which is actually really funny with the with the with the lady harrows matchup because they have so many distraction type cards right that have i think uh, the two distractions obviously the universal ones mm -hmm. um call the grave and uh i was another one some random card but they have so many of these different things i actually found myself in like push battles mm -hmm. uh you know in power step push battles where i'm like <laughs> i'm gonna set step they're like no i'm gonna distract you like i'm gonna distract you here like, no, i'm gonna distract you there so it got to be uh pretty entertaining actually mm -hmm. uh, little mini battles in the power step but uh for the most part um in that play style, they want to sit on those objectives, so they're going to make themselves targets. Mm -hmm. You use your your movement stuff to get in there, use all the extra dice, and make your attack count, and then once they're dead, they're not going to score glory. So, mm -hmm. I, What I've found uh, as well sometimes into these control matchups is, uh, and I, uh, Chad and Critz talked a little bit about this, sometimes you recognize like if they gave you a hard offset and they're all the way in the back, recognize your first round you may not score anything like you're gonna you're gonna move forward get your fighters that you want into a good position uh you're gonna use that end around to try and make your objective hand as good as you can possibly get it same with your you know 
you know, get rid of, get rid of all the, all the fat, trim all the fat out of your power card and objective card hand, and then expect that they're going to have a little bit of a lead, but you're going to try and, uh, you're going to try and counteract that in round two, where you go in with, you know, hopefully something closer to your dream hand of the, of the, uh, or, and maybe you've picked up some from, you know, um, like we talked about, uh, martyred or, or, um, covered ground or something on the way in where you've, you've been able to charge up a little bit, but so that, that I found, uh, actually against the, uh, at the time I remember doing it fairly well, not good enough to beat you, but, uh, when you were with the standoff steel hearts, uh, you had me full offset and then a wall in the way with the, uh, penitence throne, I think. Uh, and I kind of moved up behind that wall with the intention of round two, I'm going to come flying in and, and try and make some progress. And, um, right. you know, uh, sometimes you just have to accept that, uh, you, that round one is a little bit of a write-off and it's, it's all just a, a prelude to round two. So be prepared for yeah, that. That's kind of how, uh, that's kind of how a lot of aggro matchups go into a control, uh, style player. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to concede the first round right the first the first you know activation phase and all that stuff and just set yourself up for success in the second round um and whether that's drawing the right cards because you know what you need or simply moving your fighters up um just gotta do it take some time sure uh all right we've uh we've kind of meandered about a bit and uh i think we've had a pretty good talk about it we're gonna we're gonna look to wrap up you guys got anything else that is a is a burning comment you want to make on these guys or can I give you the uh, the sort of final wrap up questions here? Send it. All right. So, uh, someone listen to this, they can still pick up Reavers. Why should somebody pick up Reavers and play them instead of any of the other? Uh, what now? Eight plus eight plus two something. Carry the three. <laughs> many many warbands <laughs> out there right now. <laughs> uh, what twenty six something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, 24, I guess, because um, we don't have the last two. Anyway, 24 warbands out there. Why Why Reavers, um, Phil? Um, I think I think they just give you a very different sort of all gas, no brakes kind of aggro feel, <laughs> um, yeah, which yeah. Uh, I think it takes some getting used to. It's not it's not sort of probably what you're used to doing um and it probably flies in the face of some of your sort of default strategies. Um but I think it can be extremely fun um just because you're like you can almost throw all caution to the wind. You're like, "Well, I I just have to charge and hit you. And if as long as I can do that, I can win." And you just don't think about what happens if you don't hit because you can't control that. Um, mm-hmm. so I found that fun. I, I found it more fun when I could play my suicide builds where like I could l- score yeah. off of my guys dying more than killing, but, um, uh, they've, they've kiboshed that. So maybe, maybe we'll get some stuff back for that, but either way, um, I just think it gives you a slightly different take on aggro than you, a lot of the other aggro bands. And Matt, how about you? What's, what's the thing that keeps you you know, other than, other than being prepared for talking about it on a podcast, what, what gets you uh, playing Reavers as opposed to any other options out there? Cause it's just fun to make charge actions. And, <laughs> <dice>. <laughs> and that's what they're all about. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, it's a palate cleanser. Like if I get too, if I get too wrapped up in like uh, a, a control worm spat or something like that, where I'm, you know, busy blowing up objectives and trying to, you know, 
live through anything that comes at me, but do it very slowly, man, it's pretty fun to just get out there and go flying across the board and just, you know, decapitate gristle well or whatever yeah. the case may be. So you could say uh, it's very yeah. visceral and non cerebral, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's cool is they, they play so similar to how you feel like they should, you know, right. Like they, they're one of the war bands that really represents well, you know, the lore, uh, translating to how they play on the tabletop. It's that's, 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 there's an inherent fun in that as well. So, um, we'll close that with never dead Ned. Uh, I'm going to field this one. He says, how can I actually win with them? And, uh, I think that's the wrong question because Ned, uh, corn cares not from whence the blood flows. So, uh, corn always wins. Just, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just fistfuls of dice, my bud. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to start to wrap things up here. So, uh, you can, uh, always talk to us and, and please do at WTHcast or what the hexcast at gmail.com. If you like this more kind of free form, uh, freewheeling style of warband review, let us know. Um, or if you didn't let us know as well, uh, we'll, we'll eventually be covering the release of Morgwaith's coven and, uh, Morgok's crushes, uh, when, whenever they are released from the, the clutches of the pandemic, uh, you can get any of our mortal realms content at, uh, the mortal realms.com. Um, and that's, uh, that's all, all the, uh, different episodes we got there. Uh, Matt's got his podcast crit def, uh, where can people go to hear some of the crit def output? Yeah. Uh, mostly on Podbean uh, on iTunes now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't put out anything uh, recently just because, you know, all the complications that are going on out there. But we hopefully, you know, we'll get something out there pretty soon. Um, and I was able to find the update to those dates for our Grand Scuffle. Oh, yeah, late on. Um, yeah, it is going to be July 18th and July 19th here in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Uh, those are the dates that we were able to uh, secure with our, with our local uh, game store. So, if you guys are around and you know, provided it is um, safe to do so at that point, please come out and join and let's roll some dice. So you're saying two days? Is it is it uh, currently slated for like a, a day one with a cut uh, going happening on day two, or is it uh, attendance mm-hmm. dependent, or is it what's July 18th is gonna? It's a Saturday. Okay. That's gonna be the scuffle itself. Okay. The 19th is gonna be an arena mortis uh, tournament. Ooh. So very cool. yeah. So if you want to stick around and you know do some janky stuff, uh, arena mortis on day two. Have you played much arena mortis? Yeah, we play a little bit. It's, um, you know, my go-to is always Blood and Sake. Yeah, yeah buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we hit somewhere around here. They're, they were, uh, I walked by, they were playing Arena Mortis, and uh, she had taken Spite Shroom. So <laughs> it takes, nice. all, it takes all kinds. So a lot yeah. of upgrades on the little, little guy. Uh, yeah, but uh, if you are in the Southeast or if you have the ability to travel, you should go check it out. Um, and... Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully travel is an option at that point. That feels sufficiently far out that I would like to think it would be. But um, I think it's going to do it for us. Your recommended listening for this episode is Skulls by the Misfits. Uh, and Matt, did anything pop to mind to you or am I going to wrap this up? And I really wish I had as good of an answer as I did last time. <laughs> but uh, really just play anything metal and aggressive. <laughs> Get yourself in the mood. That's what I recommend. Noted. All right. For what the heck's I've been Davey. This is Phil. This is Matt.
I'm, I'm used to doing a lot of uh, teleconferences and, and WebExes and stuff, so I'm sure. pretty diligent about knowing when I'm muted and when I'm not. Okay, I am 100% not, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to you. 